Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Well, hey, I want to speak today on the topic of growing in your love for God. Growing in your love for God. We're going to look at what I believe Scripture points to as God's three main love languages. Who here knows about the love languages? A couple of people. If you don't know, the love languages are five ways that people receive love. They've done a bunch of studies and they can pretty much break it down into five things. And uh, the number one love language is, in no particular order, is touch, which means you are someone that to receive love, to give out love, you love a good hug, a high five, a firm handshake, a pat on the back. I'm a big touch person and I struggled during the the heavy social distancing season because I wanted to hug people, I wanted to pat people on the back. People that know me well, you just know randomly I'm often just patting people on the shoulder and saying, you're a legend or whatever. I just can't help myself. And um, I'm a big touch person. I love a good hug, love a high five. Um, and then some people aren't touched. They are quality time. You love to spend time with people. If someone makes time for you and you go out on a nice date, it could be Dome Bankshire Grove and your heart's filled. <laughs> Dome Bankshire Grove's fine. I, I love it. Um, but quality time means a lot to you. The third one is gifts. If someone gets you a gift, a thoughtful gift, they've wrapped it, they've thought about it. Maybe you received the thoughtful gift over the last few days, but sometimes receiving a gift just fills your love tank. You feel so loved by that. Another one is acts of service. So someone does something for you. So someone might give you a present and you're like, thanks, mate. And you just put it to the side, don't give it a second thought. But if they vacuum your car, or if they sort the laundry, you're just like, bless you. Oh, my goodness. And it fills your love tank. And the last one is words. Words can be your love language. So someone might say something really lovely to you, write a letter. They've thought it through. They had a thesaurus out, and they've got all special words in there, and there's specific things that just fills your love tank. I am not a words person. You could come up to me and drop a 10-minute poem about how grateful for you, you are for me, and I'm sorry, but I'll just be like, thanks, man. That's awesome. Um, But if you say, George, I've just cleaned the storeroom, I'll kiss your forehead, I'll feel so loved. Um, So I'm I'm a bit of acts of service, I love touch as well. But every person has a different way that they receive love. So maybe it's gifts, someone yelled out cash in the last service, that's not an official love language, but sometimes that certainly helps. But certainly you'd be able to tell in yourself, there might be a couple of ways that you feel really loved. If someone spends time with you or gives you a big hug or writes something for you, and that's how you receive love. I believe God's the same. I believe that God has ways that we can show love to Him, that He shows us in His Word are the right ways to do it. And I would encourage us today about how do we love God? How do we grow in our love for God? And how do we demonstrate and display that love to God? We absolutely need to grow in our trust in God and our hunger for God, but it's a lot harder to trust someone who you don't love. And it's, it's, it's a bit odd to hunger after something that you don't love. So the foundation of our faith going forward is actually the driving force of our love for God, a deep love for God. Our love for God should be growing. And it's so important, especially at this time of the year, heading into 2021, that we intentionally develop our love for Him. Quite a few languages around the world have multiple words for love to to really drive home the extent or the type or the depth of that love. Unfortunately, in English, we pretty much just have one. And we can spice it up a little bit. 
We can say, I really love you. I really love Nando's. We can say, I love Panettone a lot. I, I love my wife a lot. We can say, I love something with my whole heart. My mum used to say that to me. She'd say, Jordan, I love you with my whole heart. And then I'd hear, it, hear her say it to Nathan. I'd be like, hold on a second. How many whole hearts does my mum have? But unfortunately, because of the English language, we don't really have the depth of words for love. So we can often apply love to things that aren't of the same importance. I can say, I love Bianca so much. Then I can also say, I love Zambrero so much. And it's the same words. And so we've got to find ways of demonstrating the, the, the kind of love we have for things, the depth of love we have for things, the different kind of love that we have for something. So we, we need to do that for God. Our love for God needs to be so real and at the core of everything that we do. It needs to be a love above everything else. Comparatively, our love for God should make our love for everything else look like hate. And there's a scripture in Luke 14, verse 26, that says this, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Now, this verse interested me as a 15-year-old because my dad had just sent me into my room. And so hating him at that time meant I could be a disciple. And so the scripture meant a lot to me at that time. But just so you know, this scripture is not telling you that unless you hate everything else, you cannot be God's disciple. What it's saying is, is that your love for God should make your love for everything else look like hate. Some Christians might read that and go, well, because I love God so much, I hate this and I hate that and I hate you. And you're like, hold on a second. That's not biblical. Our love for God needs to be so at the core and above everything else that our love for everything else looks like hate. Church, we cannot love anything, anyone, any place, or any animal, or any way of life more than we love God. Are there any Sound of Music fans in the house this morning? Anyone like the Sound of Music? There's that great song, A Few of My Favorite Things. I've got the Jordan remix here. Bianca and drum kits, 2K and Nando's, Optus and Wi-Fi, and I'm just, I won't finish it, it's all right. Um, there are a few of my favorite things. Now, I wonder, church, this morning, if you explored that in yourself, your favorite things, the things that you love, the things you give thought to, time and energy, where does God appear in that list? Is God number one? Does God come before everything else? Does your love for God um, make your love for other things look like, hey, can I encourage this church today, heading into the new year, make your love for God number one. Make your love for God the biggest priority in your life with everything else coming after. The reason it's of great importance that God's number one is because what you love affects everything that you do. If God is your number one love, it will affect the choices that you make. It'll affect the places that you go. It will affect where your time goes. It will affect where your finances go. If God is the number one love in your life, it'll actually affect how you see others. It'll affect how you see your circumstances. It will affect how you see yourself. And a real love for God is expressed in specific ways. How it's not expressed is in how religious we are. What does that mean? How we talk, maybe how we wear, how much we're at church. You know, sometimes we can just love religious things, but it's not coming out of a love for God. 
And there's certainly been times in my life, and as many of you know, I was born in church, popped in an offering bucket, taken to the back. So I've grown up in church, and there's been times where I've loved the worship songs, and I've loved the coffee, and I've loved the, the community at church. But amidst all of that, I've not actually had a deep love for God. I've loved things in church or religious things, which aren't bad, but my love for God has actually come under some of those things. So certainly showing your love for God isn't about how religious you are, and it's certainly not how spiritual you are. Sometimes we don't have a deep love for God, we just have a, a, a love for the freaky-deaky, supernatural, spiritual things of the humbo-jumbo. And we love, we love the shakes, we love the tingles, we love all that stuff, we'll look at the ocean for four hours going, mm. that's a love for spiritual things. But a love for God is a love for the person of Jesus Christ, and as we're going to look in a second, three main love languages. So it's certainly not in being religious, it's not in being spiritual, it's not even in posting Christian things on your social media. God obviously wants your Instagram feed, but more importantly, He wants your heart and He wants your focus and He wants that number one place in your life. I'm interested to know, what are God's love languages? How do I demonstrate love for God? So I've got three, we're going to have a look. Number one is this, we can demonstrate love for God, a true love for God, by how we love His Word how we interact with His Word. Church, we can't love who we don't know, and we get to know God through the Scripture. We get to know the heart of God through the Scripture. We can't share the person of Jesus Christ without having the Word in us. We can't share the love of God without the Word being in us. And a love for the Word comes from a love for God. And a love for God comes from a love for the Word. It's like that little cycle that we get in where we love God so much. Our hunger for God, passion for God is translating into a love for His Word. And then as we're in the Word and we're spending time in the Word, watch as it fills you with a love for God. And you just begin this great cycle. Can I encourage you, heading into 2021, set some goals, set some vision, have some passion and some energy directed into how you engage with God's Word. His Word contains His heart. The Scripture contains what matters to God. If you want to know God's priorities, get into the Word. What your assignment on the planet is, what your purpose is, is found in the Word of God. Let's have a look at Proverbs 4.20. It's going to come up on the screen. It says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. A relationship with the Bible, guys, is so important. In today's day and age, without Scripture, without God's heart, we can speak into people's lives and speak perhaps even into culture with Christian ideas, but not knowing what the Word says, not knowing what the Scripture says. We, we, we know God's heart by engaging with the Word of God and going after revelation, going after clarity, going after what God would say to us today. I, I made a joke a few weeks ago about when people want to connect with God. And, and the Christian God, not just an idea of God, when people want to connect with the Christian God and they, they do funny things. We can go and sit at the beach for four hours and try and connect with God and understand who God is. And as we're sitting there, a seagull flies past. So God wants me to soar in 21. You know, or as you're sitting on the beach for four hours, um, uh, like a, 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 a towel blows across and you're like, God's going to blow me away in 21. Um, 
Can I encourage you, if you are looking for God, who God is, who God is to you, what he would have you do, what he would have you focus on, look no further than the 66 books of the Bible, which all are telling us the same thing, that Jesus Christ is the answer, that we cannot be good enough and that we need him. We know who God is through the word of God. As we learn more about who God is, we can fall more in love with God. You don't have to sit at the beach and look at the sunset for four hours. You don't have to move into a Yanchip cave and after three months come out and be crazy. You can just connect with God by looking into the Word, by knowing who He is from Scripture. So church, our devotional life, our, our, our daily time with God is of the utmost importance to Him and of the utmost importance to us when we're in the Word of God, meeting with Him daily, here's what it is. It's reading, it's reflecting, it's prayer, it's worship, it's building intimacy with God. It's, it's a time of surrender. It's a time of us putting our dependence back onto God. It's a time for us to be vulnerable, to repent. When we spend time in the Word daily, it's a time for our posture to be corrected. Sometimes we're too high on ourselves, but sometimes we're too low. So as we spend time in the Word of God, our posture's corrected and our priorities are realigned. Did you know time absolutely reflects our priorities? Our time reflects our priorities. And you'll always have time for things that you make time for. Can I encourage you, heading into the new year, make sure you are making time to meet with God. Make sure that God is reflected as a priority by how He's reflected in your schedule, in your calendar. Sometimes, I don't know how it happens, but I find the time to watch a whole season of Unsolved Mysteries, but I really struggled to spend 10 minutes with the Lord that day. The time just ran away from me. It didn't run away from me. I was on Netflix. You know, that happens to us all the time. What you make time for, you will have time for. Can I encourage you next year, make time to spend in the Word of God. Make time to spend with Him alone. Make your God time intentional. Set time aside to meet with Him, to learn from the Word, and to just draw closer to God. Can I encourage you, don't have another year, church, where you feel like you didn't have time to meet with God. Make that time, or don't have another year where you're kind of saying, hey, the Bible's not my jam. Can I encourage you, if you're a Christian, the Bible's not just your jam. It's the bread, it's the butter, it's the knife that cut the bread. It's, it's all of it. We need to love the Word and we need to find a way that helps you to engage with it. I'm a big audio Bible fan. I have it playing at 1.5, so it's quite fast. Get lots in, but get an audio Bible. Get a study Bible if it helps. Get one with pictures. Get one that has notes down the middle, notes at the bottom, whatever you want to do. You can get Bibles where every second page is blank, so you can write as you're reading. You can draw pictures. Find a way to engage with the Word of God. We can't afford to be believers that say the Bible's not my jam because very quickly you won't know what the Bible says. You, don't know, you won't know who God is, what to believe. Someone will put something on Facebook, you'll go, that's so good, but it's not in the Bible. Spending time in God's Word helps protect us from deception, helps protect us from lies, it keeps us grounded. And what it'll also do is it'll help us not just um, live out our beliefs anchored in someone told me. You'll be able to live out your beliefs in, hey, it's in the Word of God. Awesome. All right, hey, the Bible, the Word teaches us also that obedience is better than sacrifice. And we see that in the story of Saul in the Bible. God gives him a um, strict instruction of how to navigate a situation. And instead of obeying, Saul takes it upon himself to do more sacrifice for God. 
and uh, God is not pleased with what he does. And we learn from that story that obedience is better than sacrifice. Sometimes in a, in a great church like ours where there's lots going on, we could be sacrificing, sacrificing, sacrificing. You're vacuuming, you're at the cafe, you're feeding the alpaca at the Christmas Eve service. And there's a lot of sacrifice and all those things are good. But within that, we cannot lose obedience. And obedience is such an important part of the Christian faith. But we won't know what to obey if we're not in the Word of God. So spending time in Scripture equips us to be able to walk in obedience as God loves, and it honors the Lord when we do that. So absolutely, love language number one for the Lord is His Word, how we engage with Scripture. Can I encourage this church 2021? Plan to engage with Scripture. Make some goals about maybe your weight or your finances or your, your career, whatever it is, but don't forget, number one, how are you going to engage with, with the Word of God heading into next year? Point number two is His Bride. So we've had his word, number two is his bride, and now his bride is the church, is the church, capital C church, which is all the churches, our church, small c, is it small c? Anyway, praise God. Let's have a look. Let's have a look at this, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, it's going to come up on the screen. This is a great scripture for weddings, and uh, many weddings have this scripture read out, it's really great. So let's have a look, Ephesians 5, 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we, we are members of his body. For this reason, this is usually the wedding part, they're getting ready to have a kiss. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Love this passage of Scripture. Beautiful picture being painted of Christ and the church. How the, the church is the bride of Christ, who he has come to die for. He's coming back for the church. He's preparing the church. He's using you and I as members of the church to prepare the church. I'm saying church a lot. To prepare the church to be, uh, uh, what was it? Without wrinkle, without blemish, and blameless before the Lord. And God sets the standard in this story. God doesn't love the church like a good husband loves his wife. A good husband loves his wife like God loves the church. He has established the standard. So to love God means we need to love what God loves. And God loves the church. God loves the church across the planet and he loves this church. God loves the church. How you treat someone's bride has a big impact on their relationship with you. I'll give you a funny example. Someone in our church was invited to a wedding and the person whose wedding it was um, told the guy, you're invited, but your wife is not. <sighs> Hectic. 
He didn't go to this wedding because when you marry someone, when it's your wife, like me and Bianca, if you like me, but you're like, I don't like Bianca, I don't want her at the wedding, mate, I'm not coming. I'm not coming to anything you run. We're a package deal. I love Bianca more than anything in the world. You, you can't say something bad about someone's wife and expect to have a great relationship with the husband. Yet, a lot of the time, we are crying out, we love God, and then in the next breath, we're sledging the church, talking about the way church does things, and church did this, and you need to know that the church is made up of people, and there is no perfect church, because as we know from Scripture, there's no perfect person, and I love that funny joke, if you find a perfect church, don't go there, because you'll ruin it. Church, can I ask you, what is your attitude towards God's bride? What is your attitude towards the church? How do you speak of the church? Can you imagine being husband and, uh, being a husband and someone is speaking ill of your wife and you're standing right there going, mate, how do you expect us to maintain a great relationship when you're doing this? We need to speak well of God's house. We need to speak well of the church, our church and others. You know, if you think about the church like a beautiful field of grass and God paints a picture of it and says, hey, the grass is going to be beautiful. And like he describes the church, radiant, without blemish. And then you, you put the brochure down, you see the actual grass and you go, this isn't what it's supposed to look like. That's often how Christians feel with the church. It's like the expectation of the church is that's going to be perfect and everyone there is amazing. And then you come to church and, you know, maybe someone didn't greet you on time or something happens and things like that happen all the time because church is run by people. But sometimes we can start to speak ill of the church and this beautiful patch of grass that God has placed us in, we start to point out things in the grass and we start to look at the grass on the other side and go, maybe I'll move patch. And the problem is that you move patch and there's different problems there. You move patch again. And before you know it, you're not rooted or grounded in a place that God wants to set you. Can I encourage us? Let's not be people that point out things in the church, but ones that actually say, hey, where are some tools to help me make this grass beautiful? Where's the mower? Where's the weeder? Where's the edger? Where's the aerator? Anyway, I've been doing a lot of gardening. Um, can I encourage us, let's not be a church that points things out that need to be fixed, but let's be ones that put our hand up to say, how can I help make this beautiful? I love that scripture before, talking about, thank you, <laughs> about the church being presented to God as blameless and beautiful and radiant and how he set members in it. You know, it's actually our job as believers to prepare the church for Christ's arrival. And we, we need to do a good job of that. So that, there's many different ways that we do that. And a lot of it is unseen. It's the culture within the church. It's the faith within the church. It's the hunger within the church. And we all have a part to play in that. I remember one time I was complaining about something at church to my dad. And I was saying, oh, I just think we need to do better with this, this, and this. And my dad was great. He said, mate, if, if God's showing you that, you're probably the one to fix it. I said, probably not. Um, <laughs> I was like, you're the pastor, I'm in grade 10, you can do that. Um, he said something great, he was talking about, hey, just within your friends at church, your areas where you serve, and I was like, I'm not serving yet, That's, you're on staff. No. Um, he said, if God's showing you, you can start to affect that in the place that you are in church. You know what, it put responsibility on me, and that's a good thing, because I'm a member of God's body. I'm a member of the house. I want to encourage us, church is a spiritual place. A church home that God places you in is a spiritual thing. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 talks about God setting the members in the body. Being a part of a church is a spiritual thing. And you shouldn't move church unless it's for a spiritual reason. 
unless God is, is prompting you, is moving and, and has something for you. And it's always with wise counsel. There's a psalm about how plans fail for lack of counsel. And there's a, an immense amount of scripture about getting godly wisdom. It's amazing how sometimes people will uproot themselves from a church, which is a spiritual connection, and move somewhere without any wise counsel. It's a very dangerous thing to your walk with God. It's a very dangerous thing for your family. I want to encourage you, if there's things that you see in the church and you say, hey, I would love to see that grow and improve. I want to encourage you, there's a great part for you to perhaps play in helping the church be beautiful. Heard a great message from Chad Veach. He was talking about this very thing. He's a great pastor in America. And he was talking about when you are placed in a church, when you say, this is my church, and you're a member of that church, and you're contributing to that church, you've got the capacity to hear from God about what to do at that church. When you start to make fun of things, in essence, you're making fun of yourself because you are the church. And there's been times where I've been part of our youth ministry at church, and I'm like, there's things I don't like about the youth ministry. And it's like, hold on, you are the youth ministry. If there's things you don't like in the culture, hey, that's you, let's fix that. And it's even worse now that I'm a pastor. If I go, I don't like what's happening in young adults, it's like, mate, you run young adults. Fair enough. And, and <laughs> I have on a larger scale what we should all experience, which is the ownership and the responsibility that, hey, this is the house God has placed me in. I'm here to bless it. I'm here to help it, speak well of it, and see it go forward. I'll give you two quick practical tips. Practical tip number one is anybody, anybody can, can criticize. It doesn't take a gift to criticize. It doesn't take any effort to criticize. It can be so easy. You can come in and say things, but it can take a lot of faith and a lot of self-control and a lot of restraint and wisdom to speak well of things. I'll give you an example. Someone might come in and say, George, could you believe the, the worship this morning? And I could say, oh, how good was the preaching? People, are, and just go for the positive. It's gone very quiet. That might have been a too, too real for, for someone. But it's very easy to talk ill of things, and it takes no effort at all. What takes effort and faith and trust in God is to hear things like that and take it upon ourselves to bring a solution. And so that's point number two. So number one is just be wise, just be wise about getting into negative sledge fests, because anybody can do that. It takes a lot of faith to get into a positive pump fest. How good is what's happening at church? And sometimes, you know, there'll be seasons where it might be difficult in areas or things are happening in your life maybe, and you just got to dig deep. How good was the alpaca? You know, whatever you got to do, speak well of the church, speak positively. And number two is very quickly, often if you're seeing something and you've got a burden in your heart to improve it in the church, often God is showing you that because you're part of the answer. I love when Pastor Steve Kelly came and he was talking about someone came up to him at his church and they said, Pastor Steve, we've got a problem with the community at church. We need people to hang out more. And Pastor Steve said, fantastic. When are you starting your connect group? Nope, not starting here. And he was like, look, if God is showing you to improve the community, be a part of the answer, not just the pointing in Jesus' name. So God's love languages, absolutely his word. Number two, his bride, the church. And number three is his sheep, which is people. Number three, his sheep. John 21 verse 15 is going to come up on the screen. Great passage of scripture after Jesus has come back from the dead. It says this, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. I remember reading this for the first time and feeling a bit cheesed off for Peter. He, he copped it three times. He, he asked the question, you know, God, that I love you. Jesus said, well, feed my sheep. Then Jesus asked him again, do you love me more than anything? Yes, God, I do. Well, feed my sheep. Three times. I think God is trying to teach us in his word how important it is to him and how important it is to him in showing our love that we feed God's people, that we look after people, that we better people, that we believe to help people in their walk with God. Helping people is one of the biggest love languages for God. And if you don't believe me, there's three times he repeats it. And it's so important, guys, that we are feeding his people, serving people, loving people. I want to challenge us today. You can't love God and be selfish at the same time for very long. A real love for God begins to birth in you a heart and a burden for others and a love for others to serve others. We need to allow our lives to be stretched and inconvenienced in the service and love of others. When you love God, it will affect your love for others. Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Mark 10.45, speaking of Jesus, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give His life as a ransom for many. If you felt flat and purposeless lately, just ask yourself, how much of your life is about others? Can I encourage you, heading into the new year, make 2021 about growing in your love for God, and a big part of that is in your service to others. Here's what happens when you love others. You regain healthy perspective about yourself, and your circumstances. When you serve others, you become more thankful for what you have. When you serve others, your purpose becomes bigger than yourself. When you live to serve others, you think long-term. When you live to serve others, your life begins to make an impact. Can I just rant for two seconds? One of the biggest frustrations I have about my generation, so that young adult millennial kind of thing, is that we're often always on the pursuit to get to a place where we don't have to do anything and we don't have any responsibility and we can just do contiki tours around the Mediterranean, eating prawns and drinking champers. I'll tell you what, that is a great holiday, but that cannot be the goal of your life. There's a story in the Bible called The Rich Young Fool and he builds a barn and the barn's so big that he sits in a chair and says, how good is this? And then he goes, I'll build another barn. He does it again, just sits back and relaxes. And it's painting a picture, I believe, of this generation. We just want to sit in a chair and go, I don't have to answer for anything. Don't have to answer to anyone. I'm not carrying anything. I've got no responsibility. I'm just having, a, having some vibes, having some good vibes, posting it on social media. You, you know why that's bad as Christians? Is that is there's no responsibility, therefore no impact. As a Christian, we are called to make an impact for Christ. And you know what is essential to having an impact anywhere? Responsibility. You have to be somewhere. You have to answer to somebody. You have things you have to do by a certain time. Having an impact is tied to having responsibility. Can I encourage you? Don't desire a responsibility-free life because very quickly, eight years will pass from your life and you would have impacted no one. Do not be a Christian that has no impact. Therefore, desire responsibility. If you live to serve others, it motivates you to greater personal health in all areas. If you serve others, it pushes you toward God because you can't keep doing it without Him. It stretches your capacity, it shrinks your pride, and it helps you be more Christ-like. 
just as I close, the world has enough to busy you, but not to fill you. The world has enough to busy you, but not to fill you. Don't go into 2021 and have a busy year, but not a full year. You'll find fulfillment in Christ, in, in growing in your love for God, in growing in your love for His Word, for His church, and for His people. We'll always be disappointed and unfulfilled until God is number one in our lives. He is what we should desire, and He is what we need. Genesis 15:1 says this, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I'm your shield. Your reward shall be very great. The original language for this text ends up translating better as, I'm your shield and your reward. That God is the reward. And then Numbers 18.20, the Lord said to Aaron, you will have no inheritance in their land, nor will you have any share among them. I am your share and your inheritance among the Israelites. Church, can I encourage you? God is the reward. God is the goal. God is the, is the desire we should have. God is not a means to an end or the means to your goals or God is not a tool to help you accomplish what you want. God is the goal. God is the purpose. God is the end goal. God is the fulfillment. Church, we have all that we need in Christ. We just need to make sure that He is back where He belongs as number one in our life. In 2021, before you endeavor to make money, to lose weight, to get your career right, can I encourage you, the most important thing you can do is to put God number one as above all in your life, to chase after Him, to pursue Him, to go deeper with God. It's no use to have the money, have the career, if you don't have that relationship with God. The, deep, the, the depth of a relationship with God where you know who you are, you know who He is, what He's accomplished in your life and what He's going to do. So can I encourage this church, God's love languages, it's His Word, engaging with the Word of God. It's His church, how we speak of church, how we engage with church. Can I encourage you, if you haven't really attended consistently in 2020, 2021, be planted in God's house. Join a serving team. Join a, a club of people that say nice things about church. Come on. I, I, I don't know if there is one, but Kane's starting one. It's going to be on after the 12 each week. They're just going to sit out there. Okay. And lastly, have a love for His people you know, build into people's lives. What does that mean, feeding God's sheep? It means having something of God to deposit in others. As you grow with God, as you've got Scripture overflowing in your life, as you chat with people, you're going to be able to deposit something of God and make a great impact. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.